0: Okay, hi, and welcome back. So this is going to be another, similar to the last episode, which was the Uranus-Taurus, you know, jumbo explainer. Uh, This is a Saturn in Aquarius explainer. So I'm going to be explaining basically what's the the uh, the archetypal astrological correspondences behind what's going on currently uh and tie that in with some shit that went down in the early 90s and see where things are going so you know the drill these kind of bounce around they're a little elliptical but um there's a lot of information and you'll get just take what you want and leave the rest as we say. So before we start, I did want to go over a little business. Um, okay. First of all, I wrote, I have written everything that needs to be written about Funny Girl and Leah Michelle on my newsletter, uh, DavidOdyssey.Substack.com. Okay. Enough is enough. Yes, I will be seeing Leah Michelle in it someday, but. Um, there were plenty of thoughts about Beanie Michelle, Beanie Michelle, <laughs> uh, as Melissa Rich calls her Beanie Feldstein. Okay, so you know, go there. Pathetically, I am still not done with the new season of Stranger Things. By the way, I think I'm done with TV after I finish. I'm watching Stranger Things and RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars All Winners. After this, I think I'm done. Like, I I, I think TV is. It's – I don't think I have what it takes to watch TV. I think when I watch movies, I'm channeling because you're opening a door for, like, 90 minutes and then you come back. TV, it just feels like I'll get stuck in the stream forever. Like, I'll never be able to come out. And, yeah, It. it I know that we're in, like, the TV revolution or whatever, and I obviously want to watch the Sandman show, but I think – this might be it for me. I'm really enjoying the new Stranger Things season. Um, I didn't know that they were just going full Buffy. Like, the first three seasons are really 80s pastiche. Um, This new season, they just said, we're doing Buffy. Like, forget everything, we're doing Buffy. So I'm quite pleased. No one also told me that David Harbour, as we know, the only hot person who's ever lived, is married to Lily Allen. I found that out on my own. I am... Uh, 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 as we say in Hebrew, I'm in shock. Um, Lily Allen, like me, is a Taurus Libra moon. So like me, she's a little mentally unstable. But Lily Allen, Amber Heard, David Odyssey, there have been worse trios. Um, and, you know, she's... She's historic. Uh, you can't, you will never be able to come for Lily Allen. Um, and I liked Jesus. I mean, I'm not saying every song was good on it, but I'm pro. Um, anyways, that's such a hot couple. I don't even know. I'm sure he's like a cancer or something. I actually don't care. Again, male astrology, unremarkable. Okay. Um, besides Stranger Things, I did rewatch Spotting. So, train spotting was very big in our family. Both of my brothers read the book. The movie was always on. And in my brothers' cars, in their trucks, they would play, you know, they would have both volumes of the soundtrack because the truly great soundtracks in the 90s would be this is the same with The Wedding Singer by the way, you get wedding singer volume one and wedding singer volume two. There was just that much good music and, and train spotting. You can't touch that soundtrack. One of my biggest regrets of the summer slash year slash life is I was not in London this summer to see the prodigy. And if I had planned it better, if I had known I, I could and would have been there with Melissa rich, absolutely losing our fucking minds. And apparently it was a beautiful show You know, my feelings about Keith Flint, um, rest in peace, the ultimate Virgo, deserves its own, you know, when Keith Flint died, he left um, something like eight dogs, birds, snakes, parakeet. like, he was a true Virgo. Um, So that is its own article. Also, I know Lulu is listening, like, Where is my piece? Who wants me to write a piece about Tom Hardy's Virgo sexuality? Where does that piece belong? You know, these are important questions. Okay. Train spotting is major. So that book is unfucking believable. Like, I I I dare, I'm sorry, but I dare Raven Leilani to pull that off. Like, I just think, I'm sorry that I'm coming for her. I really shouldn't, but most literature is really bad right now when you read a book like train spotting you say oh wow they actually like wrote this piece of literature that captures a history a culture a dialect a malaise a generation and it isn't like cloying or um forcing something on you so i don't know it just and the the movie, is. The movie is, uh, you know, I don't read a lot of discourse these days. I don't know how much credit the Euphoria people give Train Spotting, but like Train Spotting created Euphoria, which is fine. Um, I think they're like, U- Euphoria is a beautiful daughter of Train Spotting, but like, you know, the sequence when he meets Kelly McDonald and. Blondie's atomic plays. I have, I have goosebumps down my neck right now. I do want to say, Kelly McDonald's, Transpotting features Kelly McDonald and Shirley Henderson. Okay, Shirley Henderson, of course, unimpeachable. Uh, Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. She's also um, in Bridget Jones, etc., etc. She's in all. She's she's done her fair share of Jane Austen. I think we can all agree. The one who really absolutely said every film I ever do, I'm going to absolutely annihilate it is Kelly McDonald. So Kelly McDonald, I don't, I never watched Boardwalk Empire. I don't care. Harry Potter, she is, um, she's Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter, the ghost. I didn't love the ghost effects in that. I didn't love many of the special effects of that last movie, by the way. I think digitizing Hogwarts, I was like, You know, not every innovation is going to pay off, okay? Like, you don't need to make everything more... Uh, Okay. Anyways, she's... In Boardwalk Empire, she is classically um, Llewellyn's wife in No Country for Old Men. And she has, I think, the best role in that movie... And her scene, I mean, look, the best role in No Country for Old Men is the old woman who runs the motel who is not afraid of Javier Bardem and tells him to fuck off. But, you know, the scene when Javier Bardem goes to Kelly McDonald, and he says, you know, flip the coin, and she says, no, you know, she rejects his... His modus operandi. She rejects his raison d'être, which is um, life is chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. You know, nature is cruel. I am an agent of that cruelty. She says, no, actually you don't have to do any of this. You have a choice. You can stop right now. And I don't have to consent to this either. You know, I don't have to play this game. And it's such a beautiful character and performance because it's coming from the mouth of the babe, right? It's coming from the mouth of this, um, kind of simpleton, but because it's Kelly McDonald, you can't touch it. So, she deserves something. I don't know what the role is that she needs to get. I, you know, this is the thing about being gay. I sometimes don't want the best actresses to be, like, universally acclaimed because then gay people will ruin it. Laura Dern, of course, can never be ruined, but, like, you know. There are some gay people who, after Big Little Lies, went a little too wild, and I was like, excuse me you haven't watched Enlightened. And by the way, when I got excited about Enlightened, I'm sure there were gays who said, excuse me, you haven't watched Wild at Heart. So, you know, I just get a little bit like, okay, you all need to calm down. You know, I just, my worst fear, and I know we've talked about this so many times, is I don't want any actress to be put through what Glenn Close has been put through by the gay community. I don't want any actress to... Feel like she is a stuffed teddy bear, um, because it really is. It, it it's exhausting. Um, it's this kind of, cliched, boring form of of fandom. You know, let I I would like Kelly to have her like profound admirers and to be getting those great roles. I'm not saying she needs an Oscar. Um, spotting is, I mean johnny lee miller a sick boy oh gorgeous i i i I have a theory about the four sons of passover and then the four men of Train Spotting. i just can't remember it but it's something about spud being the one who doesn't know how to ask um uh bigby being just like the evil one um and then the other two, I can't remember, okay. Um, but but you get the idea, you know, I'm sure that I could be saying something profound, I just can't remember. Um, Sigmund Freud and I have the same birthday, okay. Um, I, I did also wanna say with Stranger Things, I thought it's really interesting about Noah Schnapp just basically saying like, yeah, my character's closeted. I just think that's, you know, I don't wanna celebrate this sort of thing too much because I I hate to use the P word progress, but I do want to say like, you know, it wasn't so long ago that when Brokeback Mountain came out, all all the questions Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal had to field were like, did you feel disgusted having to kiss another man? You know what I mean? So I I do think that it's interesting that a young actor can just like take ownership in this way. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Um, I rewatch Frankie and Johnny, you know, the battle between two Torians, Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer. It doesn't get any hotter. A- a- and this movie really does encapsulate the Taurus spirit, which is, I want you and I'm not going to give up. And her, which is, I will not relent, I will not change. And it is just, I mean, it's such a Taurus movie, which is like... It is this grinding of wills. It is this just endless, you know, rock, uh, you know, boulder on boulder just hitting. But then when those sparks of progress come, not progress, those sparks of change come, they're so hard to earn that they're worth it. Um On Sunday at about 2 a.m., thanks to Insomnia, I watched 13 going on 30. (sighs) First of all, we forget, this is probably the ultimate Saturn Return film, okay? This is a film about a 30-year-old who said, what happened to my inner child? I think Jennifer Garner deserves an Emmy for Alias and an Oscar for this film. Hands down, no questions asked. Alias she tore it you know I could cry for how hard she tore it on that show she said you put me in any wig you like you put me in leather pants and I will give you high kicks I will do accents um you know I can wear glasses if if the occasion calls for it 13 going on 30 is a beautiful beautiful movie I do think, you know, I don't care about Judy Greer discourse, Tom Tom, Legendary, Death by chicness. The ending, I'm not one of those people who's like, this movie hasn't aged well. It's not that. I just think the the ending of the movie betrays the rest of the movie because there is this like assumption at the end that well, she's going to leave behind that, like, savage career girl New York lifestyle and, like, choose wholeness in suburbia. And it's like, there's a few contradictions here. First of all, the mean girl from high school doesn't grow up to be an executive. The mean girl from high school grows up to be a suburban soccer mom bitch, okay? The, the magazine executives are kind of more artistic and independent loners the idea also is that you know after we've watched jennifer garner display her talents as an editor this whole movie and redeem herself and even redeem the magazine industry they say no this world needs to be abandoned go live in the suburbs with mark ruffalo which i understand is tempting i'm just saying there's a little contradiction there Again, I, I, I don't need to, like, correct a movie based on current standards. This is not me saying, like, well, based on the feminism of now. By the way, the way they, like, do the gay characters in that movie, you gotta love that time where they're, like, one character is talking about Fire Island and you're like, okay, is this a veiled reference? Andy Circus's character is gay. Gibberish. Okay. So, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Saturn, hello, Saturn, the planet of structure, responsibility, tradition, patriarchy, you know, this is the father. Saturn is kind of, it can be Obi-Wan, it can be Mei. it can be Trunchbull, it can be Darth Vader. It's any force of authority Any teacher, any father, anything that forces you to learn technique or responsibility, that's Saturn. Um, I just wrote a piece for Nylon about Saturn in Pisces, which is the 2023 to 2026 kind of what's going to happen. So you can read about that there. And while I was working on that, I was taking all these notes and I thought it'd be fun to talk about what's going on right now with Saturn. So from 2020, that December 2020 Great Conjunction, which, by the way, was the day this podcast took an astrological turn. I may or may not have been on LSD when I did that recording. Hello. Um, From December 2020 to March 2023, Saturn is in Aquarius. Aquarius. What does that mean? What is going on? Okay, so Aquarius is the sign of the collective, of kind of building for the future, of new technologies, youth movements, queer revolution, uh, collectivism, socialism, dot dot dot, Stalinism, which we'll talk about. So Saturn is here right now. The last time Saturn was here was that 1991 to 1993 period. So we're just gonna kind of talk about what went down and what's going down. So I wanted to talk about that time. You know, Aquarius follows Capricorn. So first of all, t- around 2017 to 2020, we had Saturn and Capricorn. You know, that really led us into the bulk Into the breakout of COVID and then into the 2020 re-escalation of the race wars, right? We're thinking about the late 80s, 90 moment with Capricorn, Saturn and Capricorn of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, You know, that sort of a thing. So Capricorn is very Titanic. It's these kind of power struggles, Right. Aquarius is Promethean. It is about um, bringing fire to the masses, about uh, disseminating freedom, and also the discourse of what freedom is. So just to start, in that early 90s moment, first of all, apartheid is dismantled. We see the fall of the KGB. And we see the Oslo Accords uh, between Israel and the Palestinians with Yitzhak Rabin. So there is this sense, we're also seeing like, the, the rush of Clinton and Tony Blair. We're seeing the, you know, this kind of new liberalism, this very sexy new liberalism. And it's also a really just generally expansive time. The Hubble telescope is up. We're seeing the dawn of the World Wide Web. You know, these, the X Files is premiering. So we are, generally speaking, Aquarius, which is this sign of let's look to the future, let's build something new. When Saturn, this planet of structure, is there, Saturn is quite pleased to be there because Saturn says, listen, I just broke down the fucking Berlin Wall. I just destroyed you know, the American economy in this case, or the American infrastructure. Let's build something new. Let's make something, you know, I'm ready to construct something better and more efficient. So that's nice. What's you know, and we also know with the 1962, 1964 Saturn and Aquarius, we see the Jetsons come out. We're seeing the buildup to the Civil Rights Act. We have Martin Luther King doing I Have a Dream. So, you know, it is these moments of expansion and hope and possibility. Where it gets complicated is, first of all, Clinton. Let's just start. You know, Clinton did represent this very active, sexy, um, integrated, and visionary new form of liberal possibility. There was a lot of hope going into Clinton. As it continues, of course, we understand the compromises that anyone in power has to make. You know, so we're already seeing, okay, there's a little naivete on this liberal front. You know, the Aquarian idea and sorry I'm bouncing around, but you're fine, okay? The Aquarian point of view is really change at all costs, big picture thinking at all costs, which then becomes really overly idealistic, and it becomes a vision that doesn't have a practical basis in reality, and doesn't consider the day-to-day complications of being human, you know, it gets so systemic, okay? And Aquarianism is this idea of we can change the world, which is beautiful, but, you know, there's always a little naivete or hypocrisy there. So where does that come in, of course? Yes, of course, the fall of the KGB was a huge, a huge victory. Of course, tearing down the Berlin Wall was massive. What I think is harder in the Western imagination to realize is like, you know, or I can speak for myself as someone who grew up in the Western education was like, communism fell at this time and then everything's fine now, right? And it's actually like, well, no, then, because in Russia in the 90s, it was not a pretty place. You know, there was a lot of, um, the economy was fucked. It was really just vast unemployment. Um, things being understocked, you know, just this deep desolation and we, we, we see the rise of Putin from there, you know? So Russia, by the way, used to be Taurus. So did Iran, um, you know, the age of the czars, uh, you know, every country and city has a different sign. Russia was Taurian, uh, it was czarist. It's such a beautiful place of kind of. Uh, this is the way we do things. Also, you know, Persia and Iran had this too, which is this is our culture. This is the way we do things. You know, this is what makes us feel governing and rich and autonomous. When communism came in, Russia became Aquarian. So we see this new vision that's supposed to include everyone, but then becomes one size fits all and then eventually becomes Stalinist. And when we see Saturn in Aquarius, we see this thing of like, okay, we've gotten freedom from communism, but like, now what are y'all going to do? And of course, I don't want to say it's come full circle, but now that Saturn's in Aquarius and Russia is at the center of things, it's 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 gone into the inverse, which is like, what what is on the other side of freedom? What, what does it mean to espouse these big ideas of liberation, but then not actually put in an infrastructure or a system of care to help people um, idealize a new vision or to to really Cultivate freedom and and, you know, Saturn and Aquarius really deals a lot with this sort of these questions of backlash, which are We're going through a huge backlash with abortion right now, obviously, which is like We're understanding how limited those protective laws around abortion and even same-sex marriage are because they're so wrapped up in these ideas of like privacy and individual liberty and You know, once you get the Constitution involved. So we're seeing these ideas of freedom that we're fighting for or these laws or statutes can be really limited. We're seeing how limited the capacity for the for individual humans to do anything or care or make actual changes. You know, I think what's most frustrating right now is no one actually knows what to do and what was really frustrating about the post-abortion moment, hold on, I'm just getting some water, um, some filtered water, excuse me, the post you know, when Nancy Pelosi and Biden and all of them just said "Well, wow, that was a real bummer. You know what you should do? Give money to the Democratic Party and vote. We're seeing the limits of this Aquarian idea of, we can all just be one and hope for a better future and change things together. Yes, of course you have to vote. Yes, of course we need systemic laws to change things. But but people I think are also really angry about that because the systems get so big and so prone to corruption, or really the biggest, you know, not the biggest, but one of the big flaws of Aquarianism is bureaucracy. You can't really assert individual freedom. And that's why we see also during this period of the last last few years, Uranus, planet of change and chaos, is in Taurus, the sign of individual autonomy. These Uranus and Saturn... Uh, square they make 90 degree angles and they clash so we see these kind of we're seeing a lot of these battles between ideas of individual freedom which by the way can mean a lot that can mean you know I'm a gun owner this is my individual freedom or it can mean hey I'm entitled to a fucking abortion it's my body so I'm not I'm not really putting this on a moralistic spectrum I'm just saying it can mean a lot we're seeing that go against these ideas of structure or system. And I think what's really hard too, people, uh, at least I can speak for my generation, you know, there is still this idea that like, daddy's gonna fix everything. Like the government will fix anything. And on the other side of it, there is just this kind of boring, bitter, malaise and nihilism of like, well, the world's gonna end anyways, what difference does it make? All of this comes from this idea that you're not able to shape your own destiny. So that's kind of like what gets what gets lost in all of this. And, and you know, what, what was interesting to me about the early 90s, pretty much all of my favorite movies came out during Saturn and Aquarius 91 and 93. So what are we talking about? Thelma and Louise. Batman Returns. Hello, Michelle Pfeiffer. Terminator 2 a league of their own orlando and silence of the lambs and i was just like what what are why is this happening all of these movies which i would say are probably you know set it off comes out in 1996 so we'll save her for later but we could say some of the great feminist triumphs of cinema especially of mainstream cinema like there ain't a person alive who don't who doesn't know Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. And there is not a person alive who was going to a multiplex in the 90s who doesn't know fucking Linda Hamilton with a shotgun cocking it with one hand. Okay? Those movies are all really kind of major and and I was like, "Yeah, Saturn and Aquarius, you know new ideas of 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 femininity is that it so there's a few things that this made me think of, first of all, you know it is this moment after the fall, so Saturn in Capricorn brings us this huge surge of backlash that peaks with fatal attraction. You know, this idea of women in the workplace, blah, 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 gets a huge backlash. And then we come into this fall where we say, well, what is woman? What is the new woman? And we see these really incredible new archetypes emerge. Great. But, but more connected to what I was saying was, you know, each of these movies are about women who have to take their own destiny into their hands women who are often fighting against the system and women whose heroic redemption and triumph comes through this assertion of of woman of femininity of motherhood of connection of you know embodiment so you know Thelma and Louise is about these women who say if this is the system I'm getting the fuck out of here and in my Aquarius piece for nylon I I wrote a lot about Thelma's awakening as and by the way Gina Davis hello Aquarius as this Aquarian awakening of not only is the system fucked but like I don't want to be in it I'm gonna go rob banks and drive off a cliff and discover what's mine Terminator 2, we see, you know, the mother of the Messiah, Linda Hamilton, saying there is this system, Cyberdyne, that's going to ruin the world. Technology is going to ruin the world. I will fucking dismantle it. I don't have I don't care if I'm Judith cutting off the head of Holofernes. I'm going to do it. You know, Batman Returns, there is this woman awakening out of passivity and tapping into her inner Hecate, her inner Lilith, her inner surging, incandescent, destructive mother Kali, um, you know, the destroyer within her. Um, League of Their Own is about women saying, like, we, well, let's talk about Signs of the Lambs. Signs of the Lambs is also her intuition her empathy, her outsider awareness being more than all of the men in the FBI having. What's interesting about Thelma and Louise and about Silence of the Lambs, there's a, well, well, A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own is about a liminal time where these women said, we know this isn't going to last. We're going to enjoy this time where we get to be superstars and athletes. We know we're going to get shoved back you know, under the under the boot after the war ends, we're going to be made housewives again. Thelma and Louise was really interesting. Uh, you know, outside of the movie, because Gina Davis has said this many times, there were you know the movie was a phenomenon. There were all of these. Opinions and articles like, oh, wow, film has finally changed. You know, women are going to be featured in film now. It's going to be balanced. And Gina Davis, the Aquarius, said, you know, that didn't fucking happen. The system never changed. There were these... the The, the audiences proved they were game, by the way. But the system didn't change, which, by the way... Terminator 3... Sarah Connor's not in it. So... Terminator 2 is about Sarah Connor. So is Terminator 1. Terminator 3, they said, um, let's just say that she got cancer and died. It is, you know, that is how ingrained the backlash is. Okay, so I think with Saturn and Aquarius, we get this zooming out where we can look at the system and say, look, there's been these huge changes. Is it enough? You know, right now – and by the way, I I, I really have – I vacillate because, listen, Brad Pitt wore a skirt on the red carpet last week. I thought he – it looked great. He looked totally natural. I think that's beautiful. I think a lot of people are going to see it and take note. I think it means that anything's possible in the future. That sort of thing does reverberate. You know, the line from Cloud Atlas, what is the ocean but a multitude of drops? I don't know what it promises, okay? You know, and, and I don't know what any of, of these big moments of, of progress promise. I think queer people, and I think feminists, and I think pretty much anyone of any oppressed class, by the way, I think, that, by the way, this happened also like, you know, when, when Shang-Chi came out and they said, okay, this is a landmark for Asian American depiction. I don't know that. You know, I I don't know if you ask an older Asian-American actor, if you ask B.D. Wong, who's been around for 40 fucking years, I'm curious what he would say. Would he say, oh, I've seen these waves before? I don't know if this is real change. Or would he say, fuck yeah. Or would he say both? It might be both. But I think with Saturn and Aquarius, we get that sense of change and we also get that sense of these problems we have the vision now to see how big they are and how systemic they are and it's so much bigger than than these little you know these little shifts the thing i also wanted to mention you know and, and just to wrap up that point about these feminist 90s movies aquarianism is heartless what we're seeing with China and Russia and a lot of these new superpowers, not new, but a lot of these rising superpowers, is this sense of automatonic kind of heartless machine labor and this kind of uh, just the, the, it's not like a, an evil witch kind of evil. It's a very like it, it's more Sauron, frankly it's more just like industry until there's nothing left. So with these movies, we're seeing what is what triumphs over these, what overthrows these is the return to that inner empathy, that inner femininity, you know, Sarah Connor, mother, uh, Catwoman, kind of divine destroyer, that sort of a thing. I wanna say with Silence of the Lambs, what's interesting, you know, Silence of the Lambs is a feminist landmark in my opinion, however, It was really controversial because it, you know, it does feature Buffalo Bill who is not the most flattering trans depiction. There were a lot of protests at the Oscars by members of the queer community saying like, you must be joking. Um, Of course, my roommate has done drag as Buffalo Bill, so thank you. But I just think that's a really interesting example Because you have two things going on at once. You do have this really great feminist film. You have this incredible woman character. You also have this kind of like, fucked up depiction of a queer person. And you see that both are happening at once. So this is also very Aquarian, which is like, what we're seeing a lot of now is like, it's really hard to accept anything that isn't perfect everything has to fit a perfect ideal and a perfect standard and if not you know it'll be canceled or it'll be just you know dismantled whatever that will balance out I think But, but it's just interesting to note there is this sense of like how can art serve everyone and positively depict everyone frankly the answer is it can't um and it's kind of tough titties I don't I don't really understand these these YouTube series that you know break movies apart and talk about everything that's wrong with them, and I also don't understand the point of view of saying like, well, Buffy hasn't aged well. it's like well, Buffy aired twenty plus years ago. I don't really need to i i you don't i I can't impose my ideas of what is what the what things should be or how things should be to something that already happened i can only appreciate it as a piece of a bigger evolution you know this is the big problem with aquarius is <sighs> there is an ethos that becomes an edict that becomes an enforcement you know there is this sense of this is the way things should be. And we also, because everything is so collectivized, we, we're introduced to the idea of retroactive offense, which is, I'm not personally offended, but I'm offended for other people who might be offended. Therefore, this thing is offensive and you should know. Uh, what is your individual point of view? A- and is that individual point of view dangerous? That might be interesting. Um, we, we see, too, this rise of cringe, you know, the idea that something could be cringe. We see the rise of hyperpop. pop These, it, it, it represents this real fear of earnestness. You know, seeing earnest expression as shameful or embarrassing. That makes a lot of sense. You know, by the way, I grew up... I was in sixth grade for 9-11. We were told that we needed to earnestly believe everything George Bush said after that. And believe in America, whatever that means. And of course, that was a catastrophe. You know, of course that's bullshit. And then it makes everyone really cynical and bitter. But with the rise of this kind of TikTok cringe thing, we now see... A lot of people who are like commenters on Twitter either go in the way of hyper cynicism, which is boring, or they're so like gullible that and so overly earnest that it's like cloying and pathetic. All of this is to say like individual discernment and individual point of view is a little bit diffuse right now. We know that Jupiter's in Aries. And as I've said, this is the time when the new heroes rise, when those who say, you know, I have a point of view come up. And, and by the way, I'm thinking a lot about that Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino discourse, which is really interesting, which Quentin Tarantino, you know, Spike Lee said, Quentin Tarantino should not be using the N-word in his movies. And Quentin Tarantino said, I'm gonna use it I'm using, it the, I'm using it for the sake of authenticity of these characters. And I, I think Quentin Tarantino also was like, I'm gonna do it really well too. You know, I'm gonna give you great characters. And when they do it, it comes from a real place. But I think that that discourse was really helpful for both of them. That's a good discourse to have, which is like Quentin Tarantino saying like, I'm sorry, I'm not compromising my point of view, but understanding what's at stake if the work isn't at the highest possible level, you know? So I just think that's useful. I don't, I don't know about hyperpop, you know, I get it. I went to a techno party last week and had a blast. I just think we're at the very apogee of dissociation and it's going to be either reincorpor- reintegrate, re or die soon. So, you know, just so you know. Um, the 90s are, that early 90s period is also interesting because we see Camille Paglia release sexual persona. So what's interesting, I know I talk about her a lot and every podcast talks about her a lot, but just what's interesting to think about, Saturn is the planet of tradition. Aquarius is the, the sign of, of revolution. When they're together, we see this big, A lot of contradictions. So right now we're dealing a lot with the alt-right. So we're seeing the idea of conservatism being sexy again. We're also seeing the idea of like fascistic liberalism, which is, you know, well-meaning liberals who are overwielding their authority and becoming basically police. Camille Paglia, her whole thing was like, this revival of you know archaic let's say gender roles as being new modern and sexy and saying you know your ideas of feminism um are actually restrictive you are restricting my right not my right but you are restricting the versatility offered by paganism you are restricting you are cutting down on the natural divine powers of these archetypes. So those reversals are just really interesting to think about. Um, Also, I just did want to point out, you know, this is coming right after Tipper Gore and her bullshits putting on parental advisory on albums. So we see in 1990, I think, yeah, which is right before this transit, Two Life Crew is the first, The first group to get slapped with a parental advisory, we then see in 1993, uh, the, I don't want to call them obscenity trials, but the trials, the Senate commission around Mortal Kombat saying there's a new technology, video games, it is unregulated, (laughs) like should children be seeing this much violence? Those questions are needing to be asked right now about social media and about big tech. They're getting asked. We saw recently with Pornhub, kind of with OnlyFans too, but really with Pornhub, these bigger questions of like, this can't be the wild wild west. You can't have these platforms that just disseminate child pornography. How are you going to regulate them? Who owns these? What is the profit margins? Who works there? And then, you know, we're now starting to see these questions around um, Silicon Valley. You know, they build these campuses where they want you to work 100 hours and they don't have human resources. We're seeing these questions around. Okay, yes, uh, we get our our uh, Teslas. They are good for the environment. But aren't they mining for cobalt in the Congo illegally to get those car batteries? So how does this work? you know we're just asking a lot of these questions about like we have these ideas about things that are supposed to be liberating and liberal but uh, they need some regulation I wanted to point out recently there's that new book that that came out called Legacy of Violence which is um, the New Yorker did an interview and a review on it I haven't read it yet the book is about the British Colonial Project. A- and the thesis of the book is, first of all, the British committed horrific violence. You know, it was not just going into these countries and, like, sipping tea. They really, you know, they enslaved, they committed genocide, they did horrific things, much of which was covered up. You know, there, there's, of course, the historic shit show in Kenya, etc. But but her, what she talks about is... A lot of the British colonial project was about spreading ideas of civilization. It was a liberal project. It was a liberal project to spread, shape, change, and theoretically help the world, right? And how did that become so corrupted and so fucked up in a way that's done so much lasting damage you know, to the world as we know it? So I just thought that idea of toxic liberalism, um, you know, tyrannical liberalism, that's just kind of interesting. Um, 90s, we also see Rodney King. We see X-Files, blah, 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 blah. You know, with the Oslo Accords, Yitzhak Rabin is shot down. So I, I do just want to point out also with Saturn and Aquarius, there is this aspect of structural change. What is the change that can last? What is the backlash? That period, we have the Anita Hill You know, that period we see Ruth Bader Ginsburg get elected uh, or or get uh, chosen for the court, we have the Anita Hill trials go down. This period we're having a similar fucking Supreme Court freak show. And by the way, we're seeing at the end of a full Saturn cycle, what was started at that end of that Saturn cycle with Clarence Thomas has now come to, you know, talk about the rise of Sauron or the rise of Vecna. It's just like, holy shit. Okay, so all of that has kind of come to to pay the piper because a Saturn cycle is about 30 years. I want to say coming up, first of all, listen, this coming weekend is going to be a shit show. Um, We have the Uranus, Mars, North Node, Coalescence, Beyonce's album is coming out, Lena Dunham's new movie is coming out, There will be some sort of an economic cataclysm. I don't know. You can read my piece on nylon on Uranus and Taurus. You know, um, hang on to your, hide your kids, hide your wife, okay? Um, But what is coming up? So Saturn will be leaving Aquarius in March 2022. So we have a few more months we know we have the midterms in America. I'm in Israel right now. BB's probably coming back. I would say the, the great, great liberal malaise with the American voting system, the, the conservative victory in, in dismantling the voting system, We are now ready for something new. When Saturn moves into Pisces, it closes out a cycle and then it starts a new one when it goes into Aries. Neptune's going into Aries. You know, as we talked about last week, we are in a similar astrology with Uranus and Taurus to the foundation of the New Deal. There is some new system required. I'm not saying it gets invented now, but clearly there is going to be even more disappointment, more backlash. And as the age of heroes begins, that will have to propel those, those, those new voices to create something new. We also see a lot of these ideas of false rebellion and false victimhood you know, these lunatics in Arizona who think that drag queens are coming to for your children and that critical race theory is here to corrupt your children. They really think they're the underdogs. This is the issue with Aquarianism is anyone can think that they're the victim. Putin thinks he's a victim, by the way. So we're going to see that come to a crescendo. I would say that, you know, the there's that great piece in the Atlantic this week about the return of the scumbag or the dirt bag, the return of Beavis and Butthead and Jackass. I do think that sort of a grunge malaise culture, as we go into Saturn and in Pisces, will be back. It will peak, but it will be, you know, it's already kind of here. It's going to be, you know, that, that Cobain esque era. We'll be in for a bit of a revival before the new Atlantis's can. The new Buffy's, the new Xena's, the new Destiny's Child, the new Alias can emerge and save us. And I would say like, you know, the, the GameStop coup, the Amazon coup, the, the Amazon unionization, those have been happening in this period. So that spirit of, of revolt is not lost. Um, and we might be in for more surprises with that. So, you know, anything's possible. I wrote about Saturn and Pisces. It's in the nylon. I think you might enjoy it. Check it out. Um, If you enjoyed this, I take tips on Venmo. David underscore Odyssey. I think I should restart the Patreon and just simplify it to there be like a $1, $2, $5 thing. So if anyone has any ideas or suggestions about like what you'd want from a Patreon, would you let me know? Because I think I should just do it. I just need some whatever. And also... Book a reading. Um, there are a lot of pod listeners who I get to interface with who I would love to read, frankly. So, book a reading, DavidOdyssey.com. Thank you for listening. Let me know your thoughts. You know where to find me. Mwah.